brought to you by the physicians and staff of Nebraska Cancer Specialists. We are grateful for their time and support on this project. Hello and welcome back to In the Know with NCS podcast series. I'm Kelly Horn and I'm fortunate to be here today with two of our mental health providers from the Integrative Services Department at Nebraska Cancer Specialists, Jane Cargis and Lori Wingerter. Welcome ladies. Good morning. Thank you. Good morning. In this episode, we are going to be diving in to discuss coping with the stress of a pandemic. But before we get started, Jane, could you tell our listeners just a little bit about yourself? Um, I am a psychologist, and I'm in practice at Nebraska Cancer Specialists, and I see patients who have cancer and also patients who um, aren't suffering with cancer but are certainly suffering with a lot of depression and anxiety. And I'm originally from Nebraska, spent 25 years in California, and then came back to Nebraska about 15 years ago to practice. So, and I've been at NCS for almost two years. Good. Great. And Lori? Lori's joined us before in a previous podcast, but maybe you could tell us a little bit about yourself. (laughs) Yeah, she's a pro. Yes, I, uh, Jane and I have the pleasure of working with each other, and um, we... I like to say my passion is supporting patients and their families who are going through cancer. And lately, I would add that that has shifted a little bit or expanded to include everyone who's really struggling with the pandemic and all the effects of that. So I've been doing this for over 10 years, and it truly is my passion, and I'm honored to be here today. Good. Well, we're happy to have both of you with us. I just think it's always nice to get to know a little bit about our guests as we dive into a pretty serious topic here today. On March 12th, 2020, COVID-19 was declared a pandemic by the World Health Organization. The unpredictability of this global event brought many feelings of uncertainty, fear, confusion, frustration, and worry. We understand how many of our listeners may be feeling, and today we wanted to talk about some coping strategies to help support feelings of stability and security as we all adapt to a new normal and try and keep an optimistic attitude. Beginning with living through a pandemic, this is a traumatic event. Many of us had had various levels of stress in our life prior to COVID-19, but because of the pandemic, stress can sometimes feel a little more cumulative and adding and stacking up, which can cause even more stress. Jane, what are some ways that we can respond to stress and regain some control in our lives? Well, I think the whole issue of control is an interesting one because I think as human beings, we tend to think we have a lot more control over our lives than we actually do. And I think this pandemic, um, and you're right, Kelly, it is a traumatic event and one that is going on for months now and could be even longer. But um, in order to regain some measure of control, I think it's just important on a personal level to have some structure in your life and to exercise those things um, about you that, that you value in terms of some predictability because with the pandemic has come such unpredictability and uncertainty that I think having something in your day that feels like it's structured and you can count on as um, something that you can control, such as going for a walk or doing some meditation, but something that's going to feed your spirit and your body and your mind as we go through this. Good, good. Lori, did you want to add anything? You know, I think... One thing that's helpful is just to identify what's happening, first of all. Um, I was a little surprised to learn the other day, I was reading something, I don't know, in a professional journal about fatigue. And, you know, it's, so I think it's important to understand this isn't, the pandemic isn't new. It's been going on since March, so we're in our seventh month. And it's, it, it's not going to end soon. So now we're in a chronic state. And for me personally, I've noticed I'm just tired. And, I, and I've been thinking, what's wrong with me? Do I have some disease or, 
what's happening? I'm just really fatigued. And when I, so when I was kind of reading this information, this article, it, it validated that. It said that this is one of the symptoms of mm-hmm. pandemic fatigue. Wow. Um, so I, you know, I think it's helpful to just kind of look at some of those uh, because I really thought something was wrong with me. But then when I read this article, turns out we're all kind of like that. And there's actually been a study that looking at how our life is today and how it's changed with the availability of Zoom calls and virtual meetings, um, our workday has actually extended or lengthened by 48 minutes. Wow. So we are actually working more (laughs) with the with the pandemic and working from home. Sure. And I know personally when I, when we started kind of working from home, I thought I would have a lot more time. Um, but in fact, we're, we're actually doing more work because there's this thought that I don't have to drive now, so I have more time to devote to work. Um, but also the research that we were looking at now says that, that there's a there's sort of a pressure or a feeling that I need to really do a good job or give it right. extra effort so I don't lose my job. Right. And right. so, I, you know, those are things that I don't think we've talked enough about. Um, we're getting very tired of wearing masks. We're getting tired of social distancing. And if you look at that phrase, social distancing, it's really problematic because we are social creatures mm-hmm. and we need to be with each other. And I wish we would have, in the very beginning, called it something like physical distancing because that we need to do. Social distancing isn't in our best interest. Right. So, you know, if you're feeling if you're feeling more tired or fatigued, if you find yourself more irritable um, or annoyed by everything, in, in, in looking back at the past, you, you were fine with things happening, but now they really bug you. If you're feeling hopeless about the future, um, other symptoms include maybe increased use of alcohol or other substances, I- including food. Um, I have so many patients who tell me that it's really hard to focus or yes. to concentrate. I can relate to that in a little <laughs> bit of a way. It's just like everything's just bouncing all over the place. Yeah. And yes, yeah. and you feel like you can't, you don't have one continuous right. thought. Right, yeah. isn't yeah. that interesting? And so you, I mean, you... W- you know, it kind of results in, you know, carrying all of this around day after day, week after week, and you get to the point where you wake up with dread. Right. And feeling hopeless. And so I, you know, I just wanted to kind of mention those because sure. to, to validate that we're all feeling these. And, and if you're like me, you thought, what's wrong with me? But really, and, it's very common. And it's easy to lose sight of the fact that it is the pandemic. It's the yeah. overall fatigue because of the chronic nature of what we're going through. It isn't just a couple of weeks and then, okay, now we're, we're good again. It's very chronic. Right. And you think, I, I think to myself, I can do something for a certain period of time if I know I have a timeline. Like, I can get through this if I know that on January 1st, we're going back to a different time. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's just no end in sight, really, until potentially a vaccine or but even then, I mean, we we're still going to be adjusting to something new. And I think that's hard too because you just wake up every day thinking, okay, today's a new day, but we're still in the same situation. Well, right. And we were talking about the new normal a lot in the beginning of this months ago. Mm -hmm. And I was very reticent about that term because there it isn't going to be a normal, I think. Um, I mean, life is so unpredictable anyway, but with the pandemic, I think we are just going to have to adjust to the fact that it's going to be changing. Right. And right. the not knowing can right. cause so much stress and anxiety, which then leads to a lot of fatigue, which is what you were talking about, Lauren. Yes, and, and we would be remiss if we didn't mention all the other contributing factors that exist in our world today. And, and probably the biggest other factor would be our, our political world today and the, the upcoming election. And, um, you know, that really, it's been a very stressful situation for people. So, and, and if you happen to be someone who's dealing with a, a physical illness like cancer or 
if you've already had depression and anxiety mm-hmm. before the pandemic hit, it really exacerbates right. all of this. It does, and that's such a good point about what's going on in our whole culture and our country, uh, the political climate, the the social unrest, and it. Um, you cannot get away from the news. Like if you have a phone, and you know you're going to get these the the ding of oh some new. Even if you're like me and you're kind of really trying to limit your use of news and watching the news or listening, right. it's just, cr- again, chronically <laughs> everywhere. all around you. Yeah, everywhere. it's everywhere. So it's very difficult to limit that and set boundaries, but that is one of the things that I feel really strongly about when I am talking with patients is to really limit your social media and watching of the news because... Um, depending on whatever station you're watching, it is so biased and it is not um, objective. And so just getting fed that day after day, night after night, is really, really not healthy. Yeah, right. It's hard to get away from that too. It is. How we respond to stress is very important and we all develop responses to things that can keep us up at night. Knowing our stress response can help us determine the best coping strategies that align with our needs. Lori, can we talk a little bit about how to develop a plan to fit our current response and needs to stress? Yes, I think the, you know, the first step there is to do what we've just done is really accept our feelings, um, acknowledge what's happening and then, and then do that on a personal basis, you know, really looking at how is this affecting me personally and what are my symptoms. And then I, you know, I would, I would think about, well, I, I can't change the world. I can't control that, but I can control how I respond. And so one, one easy, I don't know, tool to help us remember this is um, – there's an author that I, I refer to often, Jay Shetty. He, he does a lot of psychological advising and that kind of thing. But he came up with an acronym um, that will help us sort of set that routine that Jane was talking about that's really important and, and, and to help us have structure but also a sense of purpose in our day. And so the, the acronym is TIME, T-I-M-E. And these are the four parts of TIME. So the first is thankfulness. And having gra- finding gratitude in every day. So if we stay f- exclusively focused on the negative and all the bad things that are happening right now, it gets, it gets very easy to, to just get stuck there and get sucked yes. down that rabbit hole. So, and there, but the truth is there's so much greatness in our lives and in our world. And it especially now, it takes a lot of effort to remember that and to focus on that. So finding some sort of routine or um, even just five minutes of gratitude, you can use a, a gratitude journal. I know there are several apps that you can have on your phone, but just really stopping and being thankful or, or appreciative of, of the good things in your life. And it can truly be, you know, a sunny day. It can be very simple. It can be um, I got to smell lavender this morning, or I, I had the most right. amazing cup of tea this afternoon. Appreciating the, beauty. Yes. And even appreciating just the having a place to live, having food, right. having a car, just things that you might not, or that we all take for granted, really. But to specifically be intentional about right. appreciating those things that, that really are gifts to us. And the, the eye of time stands for insight. So when you feel like your problems are growing and the world is worsening and um, there's a lot that I can't overcome, it's really helpful to think about, well, how can I grow? How can I gain a healthier insight and keep this in perspective? And so like you were saying, Kelly, it's helpful to um, to know there's an end in sight. I mean, it's really easy to get sucked into the p- pandemics here. It's never going to go away. It will go away. Mm-hmm. This will end. And so, you know, I've told my patients or advised them a lot lately is to, we just have to keep our head above water and and survive this and get to the end. Mm-hmm. And so one way to do that is to grow yourself or to change your insight. And so maybe um, learning a new hobby, 
reading something that's interesting that has nothing to do with pandemic or politics, um, but finding something new to do in your life so that you grow and you have new insight, that helps equip us to better deal with the negative effects of the pandemic. Lori, I love that. And I love the fact that you use the word perspective because it is so easy to lose perspective when there is an event like this that is literally going on and on and on. Our perspective, it just tends to narrow and get very rigid and fixed. And we just need to remember what you were just saying and and adopt uh, that feeling of curiosity. Like, I wonder what this has to teach me, which is just what you were just talking yes, about. Yes, growth-focused, growth forward-movement-focused, focused. Mm-hmm. yes. What about this is actually good for me, and what can I do with with the changes that have occurred here? Right, right. Um, the M in time stands for meditation. So finding moments of peace right now is really challenging. But meditation truly is one of the best and, I'm going to say, easiest things you can do for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of research behind this. Meditation is such an easy, a virtually costless way to, to just gr- to calm your body down calm your mind down, um, and find a moment of peace in your day. And when we do that, when we calm our thoughts and and our heart rate's slow, that's when we can find clarity, and that's when we can start thinking more clearly um, and our cognition improves so that we're able to then look at what what, what do I have control over or where can I find solutions um, in the middle of this pandemic. Yes. And along those lines, uh, there's a very famous physician actually at Harvard University that has studied the stress response, which we are, I think, all pretty much aware of now that the fight or flight response and that during this pandemic and other times of high stress, our bodies are on a stress response similar to that of actually being attacked by something or needing to run or to fight. And it our, our bodies don't ever have a chance to come back to what we call homeostasis, which is that, that level, peaceful time. We're in a state of high alert all the time. So meditation, the M of that, I love that, because that actually gives you a chance during the day, every single day, to have that time. It's set aside just for you. And it what this... Uh, a physician at Harvard has written a lot about is that that induces the relaxation response. So complete opposite to the stress response. And we have to carve out that time intentionally every day to bring about that response because we're on such high alert at all times. And we need to use meditation or something like that to bring down the level of stress in our bodies, our minds, our spirits. Yes, the you know the other F in that the fight or f- or flee or freeze is or the freeze. other one, mm-hmm. which um, really promotes depression and anxiety. Right, and it yep. stops us from taking action. Yes, it does. So if you know if we can if we can prevent that um, or proactively manage that better, mm-hmm. we'll do we'll do better we'll in do this better. pandemic. You'll feel better. Mm-hmm. Yes, Absolutely. feel better. Yes, physically and emotionally. One of the one of the easiest and portable best tools that we can use is breathing. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's many different kind of styles of that, but I really like to just talk about belly breathing because I think we've all heard that term or that phrase. But belly breathing simply means, or diaphragmatic breathing, that we, I'm going to take such a full breath that it's going to completely fill my lungs with mm-hmm. air and by doing that, that activates or presses on my vagus nerve in my body, which activates then my parasympathetic nervous system. Well, which that, brings about the relaxation And response. that begins, yes, that mm-hmm. facilitates or starts mm-hmm. the relaxation response. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it, there's a lot of science behind it, and it, yes. it's, it's, it sounds like fluff. <laughs> you know, just take some deep breaths, but it works. It does work. Mm-hmm. It works. Mm-hmm. And it's something you can do in your car. It's something you can do at your desk. It's something you can do before you go to bed or right when you get up and, and yeah. all throughout the day. All throughout the day. So, you know, an easy way to remember how to do this. You know, there's, 
there's formulas, there's different uh, techniques, but just uh, Jay Shetty calls it box breathing and, and other um, mm-hmm. mental health professionals. But you you take a very deep breath in, as deep as you can, and keep inhaling until you th- you can't anymore for four seconds, and then you hold it oh. for four seconds. Okay. When you hold it for four seconds, that's when the vagus nerve gets activated, which initiates the parasympathetic. And then you exhale for four seconds. So that's the key to hold it and then to exhale for an extended for the four seconds. And hold it. And so it's a box. It's, it's a box. called oh, four okay. square yes. breathing. And you can actually feel your heart rate when you inhale and you hold, you'll feel your heart rate come down. Yeah. Very it's, awesome. It, and I always tell my patients, this is, this is medicine. This right. is the same thing as, as you know, a, a pill you might take to calm your anxiety. So it's, you know, it's better to do this. Mm-hmm. And it then helps get your mind and your body aligned. Right. And there isn't anything as available as our breath. As our breath, yes. Wow. And inexpensive. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't cost anything to breathe. And then the last, the last letter of time is E, and that's exercise. So we have thankfulness, meditation, in, no, we don't. We have thankfulness, insight, meditation, and exercise. And exercise really just means movement. Right. Just move your body. Right. I mean, and it doesn't have to be extreme. In fact, during this time when everything is, is heightened and at its worst and extreme, I would counter with um, calm, you know, calm it down. Just go for a, a, an easy walk. Um, do some yoga on the floor, even lay on the floor and, and pet Stretch. your doggy. Yeah. Know, any, anything that moves your body will help get your mind unstuck. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's important to think about what, what works best for you because we're all different. You know, there, there are some people who really need to push it hard, and, and that helps me feel better. So, you know, a four-mile run in the morning is what they need. And, and maybe that some same person on the next day needs just a little bit of yoga. So it really is a constant awareness and evaluation of what am I feeling and what, what do I need right now. And the intention can simply be to move mm-hmm. your body. And um, I love that, Lori. That's it's just Time. such wisdom. In Time. That. Mm-hmm. I like it. It's, it's mm-hmm. so simple yet so powerful with the little things we can do that just shift and change just ever so slightly. And the word simple, it, it is so simple. All these principles that you're talking about are simple and easy to do. It's just when we're in a state of overwhelm, which is really what the freeze response is, it's so easy to just lose sight. You know, your mind is not, it, it, it's hard to focus on what do I need to do for myself right now. And we think, well, it's going to involve an hour, and I can't do that, and I can't go work out to, at the gym. But it really doesn't. It, it can be so simple. Another way, you know, so we're talking about physically moving our body, but, um, you know, we have, we have other tools available to us, and, and I'm referring to our senses. So I can physically move, but but mindfulness often is rooted in, in sensory experience. Mm-hmm. And so, so important right now when it's, it's even challenging to find words to describe how I'm feeling. Um, but I, or, or to find words to help me understand what I can do to help myself. So, so thinking about your senses, and those, those are what you, you know, you think of your smell and your sight and your hearing. Um, Little things like that matter. So, you know, something like having a lavender candle in, burning in your, in your bedroom or beside your bathtub or taking a warm bath and feeling the comforting warmth of the water, maybe putting some bath salts on there. Those are all sensory. Um, mm-hmm. Listening to, you know, really paying attention to what the soundtrack is in your space. So in your home or your office, is it the news blaring at you? Is yeah. it the news or, or something else telling you how awful the world is and that we're doomed and we're all going to get this virus? And, 
Or is it something comforting and calming, which could be nature sounds, or it could be, it could be your favorite music? Absolutely. And as you're saying that, I'm thinking of our spiritual selves too, and it's, it has nothing to do with religion, but we all have a spiritual sense within us, and that needs to be nurtured particularly when we're talking about coping with stress. And a lot of spiritual leaders will, uh, will talk about starting their day in meditation or in prayer or, or what, whatever it is for you that feels very spiritual, rather than getting up, looking at your phone, looking right. at CNN or the news right. or whatever. Start, and, but it has to be intentional. And if you have children... All, all the more intentional you need to be. But carve out five minutes, ten minutes. And I think you'll find as you, if you carve out five, you're going to want ten, and you're going to make that happen. So do it in the very beginning of the day before everybody is up, and give yourself five or ten minutes of just feeding your spirit with something that is really, really meaningful to you. Yeah, going back to meditation you know, there are a lot of tools that, ha- that have been around for a while, but also have emerged during the pandemic. But, you know, there's a couple apps that you can even use on your phone. Right. Um, Insight Timer is one. Calm is an app that I use myself personally. And, and I, I recommend too. to parents, it's a good app for parents. So we can't forget our sweet kids during this whole thing. Um, the Calm app... Um, has many different support um, interventions on the app. So just it, it can educate you about anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. It, you can go through a 21-day sort of master class on yeah. anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, they have sleep stories because sleep is a critical component of self-care. And as we said at the beginning, we're all really tired. We're all fatigued. Um, and yet emotional we can't sleep. Pardon me? And yet we can't sleep. Yes, and so we can't sleep or the emotional weight that I'm carrying around is is causing me fatigue. And so those sleep, that sleep story is a way to just help to lull you into sleep. But they also have sleep stories for kids. And yep. so, you know, it's just a great tool. My kids love them. Yes. Oh. yes. Do you use yes. them? Yes, my yes. little son, my nine-year-old son, Wes, loves, loves them. Oh. And then he also likes just turning on lullabies. And it's just a sweet, quiet little music, and he just peacefully That's drifts wonderful. off to sleep. And yeah. children are such a remind a reminder to us of keep it simple, slow down. Yes, and children can guide us in that so much, and what's in our hearts. Right. Um, yeah, and the sounds on the Calm app, and I'm sure there are a lot of apps that have, but sounds of birds or water or rain or thunderstorms those too, even as you're reading something or writing. Mm-hmm. It just, again, it's what Lori was talking about, the sensory experience, using all five of your senses. Right, and really thinking about what what's personal to me, what feels calming to me. Mm-hmm. I know um, there's there's uh, some of the sounds on, on the Calm app or others is, is wind blowing. Uh-huh. That That's like fingernails on a... On a chalkboard for me I can't listen to the wind but I love the rain or I love the ocean or your birds or the birds or so you know <laughs> just really fine-tuning and personalizing um, your care plan I think the self the thought of the day is self-care is not optional at this point mm-hmm. right? and, and it is not selfish Self-care is completely different than being a selfish person. Yeah, because we often feel if I take the time to meditate or or journal or go for a walk or a run or yoga that I'm being selfish because I should be using that time to work or to take care of my family or my house. Be doing something. Yeah. But it's essential. It's Mm self-care is not optional. Right. Right. Especially right right now. Yeah. Especially. So we've talked about a plan. We've talked about a couple of um, different ways to calm ourselves. Um, We talked a little bit about regaining control. And is that really something that can, we can actually do right now? Some of us are working from home. Some of us have kids that are working from home, homeschooling. Uh, Some of our listeners may have even lost a job or a spouse or a family member has lost their job. 
And the question is, how can we help regain some control that's maybe slipped away? But really, I think we need to talk about what what do we do when we're at home? We've talked a little bit about exercise and gratitude and some different coping mechanisms. But for the person who's thinking to themselves, this all sounds really great, but I'm really worried how I'm going to get groceries this week, or I'm really worried about my spouse's mental state and just the worry, I think, that then becomes angst, that then becomes depression. Let's talk just a little bit about the individual who potentially is just thinking, this is all great, but how do I get there? How do I get myself to the point of doing some of these things we've talked about? I, I And I can even relate a little bit to when this whole thing happened. It was like, oh my gosh, my kids are home. I'm working from home. My husband's working from home. Uh, my nephew was homeschooling at our house then too. And we had two dogs, a brand new puppy. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> what am I doing here? Yes. How can I even find time to go for a walk? I, I had to really train myself to carve out that time. But, you know, how do we get started? How do we, how do we make ourselves do this? Well, I think it would be important to just identify one place or one step that you can take or one area that you can make a change. Um, but as I say that, I think that really it begins with the thought, I have to make a change or it will help me to shift a little bit. Right. I this can't. is not working. Yes, I yes. can't continue to live the way we all have. And the truth is none of us can because the world has changed. Mm-hmm. And then if you think about how do I fix all of this, really what I'm saying is how do I fix every single thing in my life right. and get it back to normal? Right. And that's completely overwhelming. That's overwhelming. <laughs> and, it's so, and it's unrealistic. Which brings about the freeze response, I think, too. Like yes. what we were talking about before. Sure. Um, so fo- identifying one step that you can take, I think, is helpful. And like Jane mentioned earlier, so, it, you know, if everything feels so negative and overwhelming, how can I begin to at least reduce the negativity that's being pumped into my brain, right. Every, right. into my house every right. day? And and the easiest way to do that really is to severely limit your news intake. Um, I had a patient yesterday who anxiety is, you know, off the charts. And I said, well, tell me about how you keep track of the news. Oh, well, I get up and turn it on first thing in the morning. And then throughout the day, I have several apps that alert me when there's been a change. And then when I get home, I turn on this channel or that channel. And, I'm, and I was getting overwhelmed <laughs> and anxious listening to this because it's a constant uh, anxiety feed. I can't call mm-hmm. it a news feed. I call mm-hmm. it an anxiety right. feed or depression or overwhelm feed. And so... You know, my, my advice there was, you know, this really, this isn't going to change t- this week or next month, really. Or so next we don't, Tuesday. <laughs> we don't need to look at it right. every hour. And so it goes back to we just have to survive. So I, I, think it's, I think it's important to stay informed, but that really requires very little news exposure. Right. So once a day, maybe. And I think, too, <clears throat> there's something in psychology called paradoxical intervention and what that is is intentionally doing something that you might think you want to get rid of like worry so you instead of always trying to get rid of something you say to yourself okay for the next 10 minutes I'm going to worry about everything that's in my head to worry about worry 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 you just continue. It's almost like an assignment. Like, okay, this is my 10 minutes to worry. And it sounds funny, but when we are intentional about doing something, that's the paradoxical right. effect. And it's almost like, okay, this is a little bit ridiculous. Right. But I would try it. And I would also um, think about having like a container, like a, a glass jar or some, or a shoebox, and make it your worry box. And when you're sitting maybe in the morning, early early in the morning, meditating, write down the things that you are the most worried about. One sentence, and on a little piece of paper, and put it in your worry jar. And know that anytime you want to, anytime you choose to, because what we're really talking about here here is the cognitive piece of being intentional. Right. We've talked about spirit. We've talked about body. This is the mind, and the mind is incredibly powerful. So... If we intentionally have something um, 
like a container too. It's a visual, it's part of the whole using your senses. You're writing, you're going to put it in this uh, jar and knowing I can always get back to that. So you might want to do that. Just pull one thing out and later you'll find as you do this exercise and a month later you'll pull something out and think, oh my gosh, I was worried about that. Right. You know, that's, that's gone and passed. It never happened. And that's so much of our worry has to do with things that never actually materialize. It's some huge amount, like 90% of the things we worry about don't ever happen. So, and you're talking about things that have happened, loss of a job, loss of a person. I mean, we haven't even talked about the grief of all this, of the pandemic, but grief is huge in this. So, um, but anyway, just kind of sticking with the the paradoxical intervention, try something just out of the box and, and just see if it works for you. I think that's a great, I think that's a great little tool to use because, um, just a personal story. I started a gratitude, just three things I'm grateful for every morning at the beginning of 2020. Mm. And so as you, we went through the pandemic and you kind of start finding yourself in kind of a, a, a state of worry and angst, you sometimes have to really think, gosh, what am I grateful for today? Gosh, it's everything's so negative and crazy. Mm-hmm. And so it's been really interesting to go back to sometimes when I really can't think, what what am I? I go back to January or February and think, oh, yeah, that was cool <laughs> that day. Or, yeah, oh, yeah. So it can you can reflect on some of the things you've been able to do throughout the year. I thought that was interesting as I was mm-hmm. going through some of my own personal experiences. It's like, oh, my gosh, how am I going to get through today? And going back to that reflective time and thinking, oh, yeah, and you know, February 22nd, the day before my birthday, I was really thankful for these three things. And it kind of jump started my brain to think in a more positive light. So, but also allowing yourself that time to a worry box, like this could be negative feelings that you, or negative things that you're upset about, but stick them in the box and keep them in the box and give yourself the time to think about that, but then put the lid on the box and maybe don't. Mm Mm-hmm address it or don't don't go back to it until the next day or it's two really, days later. Right. Whatever you it's allow really yourself. about containment and right. using a box or something like that that's a symbol <clears throat> can really help us contain emotions. And you mentioned something, Kelly, what can I do this day? And, you know, people in, in recovery all over the world use um, – uh, mantras and use slogans all the time, and these are extremely effective. And one of one of the ones we know the best is one day at a time. And people in recovery know they have to live this way, but we all need to live that way. Let me just take this day. What's in front of me today? Yep. I can't think. If I've lost my job, what am I going to be doing in a month, a year? We don't know. But one way to contain and one way to control our brains is to say, your mind is going to be all over the place. It's going to be in the past. It's going to be in the future. Trying to stay with today and just saying, I just am going to get through this day. If that's how it's feeling, if you feel depressed or anxious, whatever is going on, it's just today. And I'm not, I'm not going into tomorrow yet. Is that difficult? Yes, it can be. But people in recovery all over the world are doing it. And it's really, really effective. Yeah, really looking at your self-talk. 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 That's another thing. That could be like a whole other podcast, ladies. We could could talk for another hour about that. Yes. Yes. Yeah, it's important to acknowledge what I'm feeling. But the self-talk, you know, I need to look at, do all of my thoughts focus or get, like you Mm -hmm. were trying to say, uh, even obsessed with these negative Mm -hmm. thoughts. Right. Um, it, when that happens, it, it, it changes our brain. You know, we create a new neural pathway that automatically mm-hmm. fires to the negative because we've practiced that so much that that's automatic now. So you know, the things that we're talking about is just um, expression or thinking or self-talk, the language that we use, teaching it to fire in the direction of, of healthy or forward movement or... or um, optimism. I, you know, I, I struggled to say positivity because it, mm-hmm. it's a hard thing sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's hard to feel positive with all of this going on, mm-hmm. but I can feel optimistic because that leaves room for the hard days or the hard thoughts. Right. 
And if I can express that some way by writing it on, on and putting it into a worry jar or putting it into a journal, you know, mm-hmm. here are the things I've worried about. I'm going to get all those thoughts out. Yes. But the next step then is to, okay, but here's what I'm going to do today or here's what I'm going to do in this hour. Um, so right. that prevents us from being stuck. And I think, um, you know, just thinking about expression is such an important tool right now. I mentioned earlier that social distancing really is not what we want to do right, right. now because no. we need we need right. each other. We need to connect in some way. And we, of course, want to do that in a healthy manner, but there's so much healing power, and I almost call it magic, in just talking mm-hmm. to someone or mm-hmm. just telling someone. You know, when, when something happens um, at the grocery store and it's crazy and you just have to tell somebody, yes. you, you just can't wait. And after you tell someone, you, you have the thought of, okay, I did it. Whew, I feel better now. Right. Um, so, you know, finding, finding someone who I can express my thoughts and emotions to uh, and, and finding someone who is going to help me and maybe we help each other move out of the negativity into the optimism mm-hmm. is really important sometimes, um, you know, and that's kind of why we're here, to be that person right. as well. Uh, really, a lot of what we do is just listen and kind of hold the negative or the hard um, thoughts for our patients for an hour so that they can get all that out. And then we, we assist them with replacing it with healthy thoughts. And, mm-hmm. and, and hope. And hope, yes. And therapists are containers. We do contain a lot of thoughts, emotions, things that are so scary to talk about with other people. Therapists are very skilled and very willing to be a container mm-hmm. for all that. And that can be really helpful. And in instilling hope, because hope is hope is eternal. And even if you're not feeling optimistic or positive, there there is still hope. Mm-hmm. And we could yes, we could spend a whole <laughs> session on neural pathways. But just one thing with that, um, we we all have neural pathways that we know so much more about brain research now than we ever have. It is a growing field every single day, and we know now that that pathways that have been, they're, they're like ruts in a road. And if they're negative and if you're kind of constantly thinking of uh, what, what terrible thing's going to happen next, it does develop these pathways. But conversely, we know from the research that if you can train your brain, and it does involve discipline, to think, intentionally think differently, like not Pollyanna, like everything is just wonderful. Not that, but just... What is one thing I can do today that is a positive thing? We actually do develop new neural pathways at any age. You can be 80 years old and still mm-hmm. develop. And this is something we just did not know from the research, yeah. even five years ago. Really? So there's a lot of hope. What elasticity. Is it? Neur- neuroplasticity. Neuroplasticity. Okay. I have to look that up. And, and we need base, another podcast. Yeah. yeah. That's really <laughs> yes, exciting. Let's do it. It's, it's <laughs> such an important tool. It is. I think a, just to kind of to, to sum that up, um, what you practice is what you grow. Yes. So if you practice yes. negative thoughts, you, you will right. grow those. Yes. If you practice optimism and hope, you will grow, you will those. grow those. Right. So interesting. Um, we talked a little bit about gratitude. I want to go back to a few. Just we've we've mentioned a few tips and tricks starting your day with maybe writing down two, three things you're grateful for, having a worry box. Um, I think gratitude's kind of a buzzword lately. There's gratitude journals and, you know, but maybe what are some other couple easy things that people can do in regards to gratitude? Um, just I know I have a list of things that I try and do um, I know at, at Nebraska Cancer Specialists, we did a kindness challenge. And every day it gave you a little thing that you could do for yourself or for someone else. Not necessarily gratitude-ish, but kind of, I guess, in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, especially as we're coming up into the holidays. And, um, you know, do you have any other little ideas for people in regards to gratitude? Or practicing. Well, I would probably say again uh, what Lori was saying about relationships. We are we are relational beings. We need relationships, and I think one way to express gratitude would be 
telling people um, what you are grateful for in that person, in that relationship. We tend not to do that a lot, and um, and we can come then to the end of life or someone else comes to the end of theirs, and we haven't said what we really wanted to say. And so I think that is one way of expressing gratitude. You're, you're grateful for all the things you have in your life, but you're also we're also grateful for our relationships. And to tell that person, if you haven't told them, um, express it, you know, t- and say it specifically, what, this is what you mean to me, and when this happened, you said this, and, you know, it changed my, and just things like that that are, aren't really that difficult, again, but um, can really be meaningful for both you and the person. Uh, yeah, and to even just make it simpler, just you know, make it a, set an intention to pay a compliment to someone once a day. Right. I'm going to say something nice to someone every single day. Mm-hmm. Right. That's neuroplasticity. That's yes. changing the brain. It's changing your brain. Um, you know, it, thinking about gratitude, you, when, when life is happening in, in, in lots of, you know, countless situations come up that are difficult, intentionally making the choice it, it, to, to find gratitude in the moment, even when something hard is happening. So if, you know, my, my job has just told me that I have to now work 50 hours a week instead of 40 hours a week, and I'm really mad about that, and I'm going to fight it. Or I could say, you know, okay, I'm going to deal with this, but right now I'm just grateful to have a job because right. the news is filled with so many people who don't, or, right. you know, business owners, small business owners, or restaurants. And so... Okay, that's a problem, but overall, I'm just so grateful to have a job. And then I go back to, well, I, I just have to get through this and survive mm-hmm. this. Today. Um, another tool that I often recommend is research shows us, so there's a lot of research surrounding happiness. And what research shows us the, is the best way for us to be happy is to help someone else be happy. Right. To, help, to do an act of kindness mm-hmm. for someone. Mm-hmm. So... When life gets really hard, I think a helpful thought is, what, what can I do for someone else? That's neuroplasticity. That changes the brain. So I'm no longer stuck in, this is how horrible my life is, and you know, my, my victimization sort of stands. But, all right, it's hard for me too, but it's really hard for my next-door neighbor who's 85 years old and can't go get groceries because she's so afraid sure. of contamination. And, yes. and so finding yeah. you know, acts of kindness and... Um, help us be happy and grounded and more hopeful. And that's a very spiritual practice Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And as you were talking, Lori, I thought of something that just happened just last week between you and me Mm -hmm. that was really meaningful to me. It it was one of our first gray days. It was gray. It was cold. It was drizzly. And I said something to Lori about "It's it's so cold or it's so gloomy. And Lori just looked at me and she said, yeah, but it's nature. And that, that there was a shift inside of me in that instant. And I realized that I, that's something I can be grateful for. And I'm always grateful to you, Lori, because you, I have learned a lot from you through the years. But that really, it, it, and again, it's a change of perspective. Like, how can I look at this differently mm-hmm. as terrible as it might seem but a change in your perspective can change everything right yeah reframing reframe my thoughts and i feel like people that have that positive sense or an optimistic view are contagious and attractive i mean that's who we want to be around although there's so many people who misery loves company kind of situation too so it's just important to continue to be the person that is optimistic or the person that, you know, what people want to, you're contagious is, um, your yeah, personality goes, can mm-hmm. be contagious. Mm-hmm. It goes back to, you know, t- determining my self-care plan. Right. What do I need? If I'm, if I'm surrounded by lots of people who are negative or misery yeah. loves company, I have to give extra effort to balance that out right. in my life. So if that's just, you know, if that's my job. I can't help that. That's the environment at work. I'm going to have to double up on my self-care when I'm not at work to balance that out and prevent myself from um, going down that negative path. Yeah, yeah. And Lori is one of the best spokeswomen for 
balance. She oh. truly <laughs> has balance. She practices it. And believe me, all the stuff she has talked about today are things that she does in her own life. And that is truly inspirational. Absolutely. So we have to surround ourselves, <clears throat> excuse me, with people who are uplifting. And again, not you don't have to be Pollyanna and happy right. and positive all the time. That People get weary of that too. But my mom and dad said years ago when I was a little girl, so that's a long time, um, you are who your friends are. And we have to be mindful of this, that Again, it's consuming whatever we're consuming in the news or social media. Um, we are very much influenced by that. Whether we think we are or not, we are. So, again, it's everything we've been talking about today. Be intentional about what, what you're feeding yourself food-wise as well as um, what's going into your brain and your body and your spirit. And it's mindfulness. Yeah. Great. I love it. So I wanted to just close here um, by thanking both of you for joining us today. Um, our listeners, hold on just a second here. I'm going to go off path. I need to read this. Listeners, consider how you are going to help. Okay. And I want to just thank you both for being here today and just encourage our listeners to consider how are you going to help yourself take care of you and if anybody would like to reach out to either one of you, how can they do that? They oh. would call um, our scheduler's name is Christina at Nebraska okay. Cancer Specialists. And Christina can be reached at 402-691-6977. Yep. That's and impressive, Jane. Thank you so <laughs> much. I had last to write time it down. <laughs> the last time we did this, we were like, what's, what's our phone number? Yeah, okay. <laughs> yes. um, I committed that to memory. So just call Christina and um, ask for one of us, and she will get you on our schedule. Yeah, and I would add to that, um, please don't wait until it's really bad or it's really hard. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's so much that we can do to support someone coming in um, in a positive, proactive way. So it's a very healthy um brave thing to do to just call and say I just need some support during this time and and the truth is you deserve some support during this time so please don't wait till it's bad you know just call and let's get this going just yeah. call yeah and what I say to patients a lot is it is different talking with a therapist it's not the same as your family your friends anybody it's just different they're um because we don't know you well, that's actually a gift in terms of therapy. We don't have an agenda. We're not going to tell you what to do. We're not there to dispense advice, but really to be there and bear witness to whatever it is that you're going through. Mm -hmm. Yes, I, I completely agree with that. Well, thank you very much. I think these tips have been very helpful for myself, and I know our listeners would tend to agree as well. If you are looking for more information on mental health, medical oncology, or need help finding a physician, go to nebraskacancer.com and click Physicians or Integrative Services. Also, we are thankful for the physicians and providers at Nebraska Cancer Specialists who have spent the time to make this series happen. Mm -hmm.